Good morning. So great to see some people in church. So today we are going to continue on with the Welcome Home series. And it is my privilege because this this message has been kind of percolating within me since August. And um, the whole passage that we're going to look at today from Chronicles about David bringing back the Ark of the Covenant has just been in and kind of piece by piece coming together for me. So I'm just going to, we're going to start with prayer. So let's pray. Father, you are the giver of all good gifts. And we know that um, you want to be home in our hearts. So we welcome you here today. We welcome you into this place. We welcome you into our hearts. We ask that you, Holy Spirit, would make things come alive, God. That it wouldn't just be words, but it would be things that could penetrate our souls, our spirits, that we could leave um, aware of who you are and how you want to place your glory within us. So may it be so as you have said in your word to us today, just like Mary said with the angel. And we rejoice, we rejoice in who you are. You are worthy. In Jesus' name, amen. So, welcome home. We are saying welcome home to God's presence within us. And this story of uh, the ark coming home was a really super big event and extravagant event that David put on. And it actually happened twice. So he started out and then it, he went again after things kind of went awry. But I have to first get this out of the way, which is the Ark of the Covenant and Indiana Jones. Indiana Jones, we're not basing all of our historical facts on Indiana Jones. So for those of you who have it running through your mind, um, the only thing that you really want to hold on to from that is that it was a powerful box um, that God's presence was in and it could do bad things or good things depending on who had the box or the ark. And so that, that is true. Everything else you can kind of throw out for, for now. Also probably true that some people used it as kind of like a genie in a bottle, like they would want it and they would want to use it for their own glory. They would want to use it for their own power. That also happened in the Bible. So I, I'm just going to give you a wee bit of backstory, and that is that where the ark even came from. And that started in the desert after the Israelites were rescued from Egypt from slavery for 400 years. They spent 40 years in the desert and they had a lot of reworking to do to re-see themselves, re-see God and the world around them not being slaves anymore. Instead, they're going to be children of, of God. And so 
Moses was giving all these instructions about the tabernacle and the tabernacle was a big tent um, where they worshiped and God gave very specific instructions for all of these things, including the Ark of the Covenant. So the Ark was uh, three or four feet. I was trying to measure it before about that. And then about two feet. And there's the picture. And uh, it was kept in the Holy of Holies because it was, it contained the glory of God. So it was only to be um, in the presence of Levites, which were the priests. Uh, well, the Levites and the priests, but they were in the, in the line of Levi um, from that tribe of, of Israel. So... Now you have the backstory. That's where the ark came into play. Moses spent a lot of time hearing God at that ark. He would hear him and then he would leave and he would, he would have his face shining so brightly that he'd have to put a veil over it. And so like it, there was a lot of power and, and the glory was contained in that ark. And there was things kept in there, Ten Commandments, Aaron's, uh, the rod that he carried, the priest, and then the jar of manna, which was food from heaven. So there was holy objects in there. It was a holy thing. And it got moved around very carefully by Levites on poles. So there was strict instructions. And when they were headed out to move again within the desert, and then once they got into the promised land, um, they, they were instructed to probably, they think, one on each side. So four priests carrying it on poles. And they were like 800 meters or 2,600 feet ahead of the rest of the procession because the rest of the Israelites had to stay that far away so that they wouldn't just burn up. It was very powerful, very specific. Okay, so there we have it. Then the Philistines decided to get a hold of the ark in one of the battles and they stole the ark and they put it in their temple they had many gods. One of them was Dagon. They put it in there, and this god toppled over in the middle of the day. It just, just being in the presence of the Ark of the Covenant killed their god. And then they broke out in tumors, and rats came everywhere in the Philistine um, country. And so people, like thousands of people were killed. And they were panicked because this ark was doing damage to their lifestyle and even wrecking their gods. So they decided, we are going to take this ark back. We don't want it anymore. We're good. And so they, they go back and they take it only to the border of Israel. They wouldn't go any further. They should get as far as they were going to go. And they left it at Kiriath-Jerim which is a border town at a house. And this house was the home of Abinadab, and he had a son named Uzzah. So that's where the ark is. Now we move into King David. So King David is setting up his kingdom. It's really exciting. Finally, Saul is moving out of the, the throne, 
and the people are, well, he's, he's died, and the people want David to become their king. And so they do all kinds of things to set this up, and one of them is to bring the ark home. And that was going to be a party above all parties. It was going to be the most extravagant thing that had ever happened up until that point. It says that Google Maps tells me that this journey that would take it from Kiriath-Jerim, which is a border town, to Jerusalem was going to be three hours and 34 minutes or 50 kilometers to get it all the way back to Jerusalem. And they were going to do this on foot as a big procession, dancing the whole way. Dancing, playing their instruments, like this is a big event, big party, and pretty exciting because David, his desire is to have the ark in the city of David. It's his city. Jerusalem is the city of David, and he wants it to be completely consecrated to God. He doesn't want anything else in there. It had gotten away from that with um, in Saul's days. Then let us bring back the ark of our God, for we did not inquire of him in Saul's days. Since the proposal seemed right to all the people, the whole assembly agreed to do it. That's in First Chronicles. So this, this takes place, and they're on their way, um, and it says that he, David and all Israel was dancing with all their might before God with songs, like dancing with all your might. Is that like Dallas's this dance? I was, I was wondering what the dance would look like. It, that's a long ways. Remember 50 kilometers to do that? But it was a pretty exciting day. So they, they actually made it um, 45 kilometers with the Ark of the Covenant on a new cart. They had made a new cart, and Uzzah, the brother, was there and beside the oxen carrying this, this Ark of the Covenant. They were moving it out of their house all the way to Jerusalem. They get to 45-kilometer mark, and the oxen slip, and the cart tips, and Uzzah puts out his arm and tries to steady the ark, and Uzzah dies right on the spot. It says that he died in the presence of the Lord right there. That would have been a bit of a shocker for such a big party going on, and so it sits and waits in that spot and at a place called Obed-Edom, a home of someone who was a Levite. Because everyone's in shock, King David's completely angry at God and angry that he's lost this person in this what was supposed to be this huge party. And also they're terrified because someone has died. That was never supposed to happen. So during that time, though, the ark is staying at this home of Obed-Edom, and it blesses everything at the home. With the family, the whole extended family, everything is blessed. And everyone knows this. So we have, in contrast, the Philistines got cursed with the ark in their territory, and now we've got 
the ark at Obed-Edom's house, and everything's blessed. So the Ark of the Covenant being brought to Jerusalem represents the glory of God being at home. The glory of God is being welcomed home to Jerusalem. I kind of, well, I'm going to save that, actually. Let's just dive into the three keys, if you have your notes um, there. It's three keys to welcome the glory of God home. And the first key is consecration. Consecration means, the definition of it, is to make or declare sacred, to devote irrevocably to the worship of God. To devote irrevocably. First Chronicles 15, 12b, the last part of that verse says, You and your relatives must consecrate yourselves so that you may bring the ark of the Lord God of Israel to the place I have prepared for it. So this is... This is a huge lesson that King David learns about consecration, how important it is for everything to be prepared in a godly way, for the people to be prepared, and for what that means for a whole nation. And I keep thinking of this in terms of what it's like to do events because often I just skip ahead and I'm already at the like, what game are we going to play at the event? What, what are we going to do for decorations? What is, what's the food that we're going to have? And I think David probably was a lot like that at that time. He was excited for the end result of getting the ark home, getting it stationed in the city of David, Jerusalem. And, and he just was getting it home and he missed some some very important pieces which resulted in the death of Uzzah sometimes I have just so much excitement and planning for the extravaganza that I miss the whole point of it and I did that a lot of times in my life over the course of her story planning preparing for the details and I had to learn very early that if I didn't prepare my heart and lead my team to prepare their hearts, we were going to be in trouble. And really, an event is meaningless if God doesn't show up. We're just doing country club, I guess. So, while David is rethinking about this, and it's being blessed, he writes this psalm. Psalm 132, 8 to 10. Arise, O Lord, and enter your resting place along with the ark, the symbol of your power. May your priests be clothed in godliness. May your loyal servants sing for joy. For the sake of your servant, David, do not reject the king you have anointed. And then... In 1 Chronicles 15, 14, it says, So the priests and Levites consecrated themselves in order to bring up the ark of the Lord, the God of Israel. So that's the Old Testament view of consecration. And there's lots of places where the priests consecrate themselves. The New Testament leads us into thinking differently with the consecration process of ourselves. 
and consecrating our whole life to Jesus. Colossians 3.16, the Amplified Version, I love how it talks about us being God's home. And it says, let the spoken word of Christ have its home within you, dwelling in your heart and mind, permeating every aspect of your being. And in Romans, it talks about us being a living sacrifice of praise. So we consecrate all through the Bible. There's consecration in the Old and the New Testaments. But how do we consecrate ourselves? This is what I've been learning over these last three months. I Consecration sounds tricky, but it, it's really about surrender. And it really is just the, here I am, Lord. I am yours. What do you want me to do? What do you want me to say? I am yours, whatever you ask of me. So we do that. We consecrate our minds. We consecrate our hearts. We, we consecrate our bodies. We consecrate our souls and our spirits and our wills because all of us needs to be consecrated to the Lord. And what I've been noticing lately is that when I consecrate my mind, I consecrate, I, I have this stillness that comes over my mind and I'm able to shut down that confusion or distraction of things. And I can just allow for Holy Spirit to do what he wants in me. And often then he starts um, convicting me of sin and leading me down that path of repentance, which is, as Dallas said last week, it is sweet repentance. I love conviction and repentance. It feels clean. And then I am a clean vessel to be able to carry glory, just like the ark. We do this again and again and again because we are going from glory to glory to glory to glory. So each consecration allows us to become closer to Jesus. In Psalm 132, I just want to read you this little passage because it's all about what happens when a place is consecrated and it's a beautiful thing. For the Lord has chosen Zion. Zion is another name for Jerusalem. He has desired it for his home. This is my resting place forever. I will make my home here because I have desired it. I will abundantly bless its food. I will satisfy its needs with bread. I will clothe its priests with salvation and its faithful people will shout for joy. The crown he wears will be glorious. The crown that David wears will be glorious because he has consecrated himself and the rest of the nation of Israel. So when we welcome the glory of God into us, we have to be consecrated. And then point two, we can carry glory. Carrying glory. First Chronicles 15, two says, then David said, no one but the Levites may carry the ark of God because the Lord has chosen them to carry the ark of the Lord and to minister before him forever. So Daniel R. Hyde has this quote about the ark. And I want you to think about this ark that he describes, and then we're gonna move it to 
thinking about it as describing Mary and Christmas. Here is such a mind-blowing idea about the God of the Bible that we have to pause for a moment. The eternal God who is not constrained by the existence of time, the infinite God who is not bound by the constraints of space, the transcendent God who dwells above and beyond all time and space, and the immense God who fills all time and space condescended to the weakness of his people and became manifest for their benefit in one locale. That one locale was the ark. So he put himself, God, almighty God, put himself in a box for glory. I mean, he was still out there in the world, but he, he contained himself in the ark. This God is not bound by time, but he bound himself to the time-bound experience of his people. This God is not bound by space, but he bound himself to this box. He is above all creational constraints, but he bound himself to them. He is everywhere, but he was there in the box. Now, think about Christmas, by the way. Mary's looking much better now that I glued her head back on because she had a little accident. But Mary was the New Testament ark. Mary got to house the glory of God and contain Jesus with inside of her. And biblical scholars talk about this as being the miraculous foreshadowing of the ark that Mary contained the glory and wherever she would go when she was staying with Elizabeth and she had the baby inside of her, then that place was blessed and Elizabeth was blessed and they sang a whole song that was unto the blessing of God. There's all, all kinds of stuff on that. So Mary carried the glory of Almighty God within her. It was foreshadowing get this. It was foreshadowing of the glory that would inhabit us. Yeah. God's glory was always meant to make its home in us and it came through Jesus. So now we've gone from the ark to Mary to us and we get to be the ark. We get to be the ark. And he wants to contain his glory in us if we allow him to do that. And then the angels came and the angels go to the shepherds of all the people that he could have gone to. And the angels in a huge host of angels says, glory in the highest not just regular glory we're talking about glory in the highest and why is it glory in the highest because god's redemptive plan for the human race was happening and that was the glory in the highest that was the glory that he wanted for each of us to contain that he would do that? 
in us. It's, it's basically what Mary would have felt in that moment where she said, how can I possibly be having the Messiah? How can we possibly be containing the glory of God? And yet that was his plan from the beginning. Matthew Henry says it like this. Other works of glory of God are for his glory, but the redemption of the world is for his glory in the highest. This is the good news. This is the great news. This is the most excellent news that could ever be. That we get to go from glory to glory and glory in the highest. So we were meant to be carriers of this glory. However, as we see as the, the story of the ark and how it went and how it didn't go well and then how he had to reframe it, King David, point three is about community. Because community is necessary to house the glory of God. First Chronicles 15, 15 says, and the Levites carried the ark of God with the poles on their shoulders as Moses had commanded in accordance with the word of the Lord. Carrying the ark was never meant to be for one person alone. It was always meant to be done in community. Four people have the, have the poles on their shoulders and they're doing it together. And the weight of the ark, because this is a heavy box, it's got stone tablets in there, the Ten Commandments, amongst other things. So they've got four people with this heavy box, the weight distributed evenly to carry it where it needs to go. Community was always meant for the ark. It was never meant to be put on a new cart and taken into the other place that it was supposed to go. There was specifics that God planted foreshadowing way back there for us today. So I have lots of metaphors that jump out at me on this. One of them is, which I can't get out of my head, of what would have happened if Uzzah hadn't studied the ark, if the ark had tipped over and broken. Like, what, what actually would have happened if the ark was broken? Would God have wanted it that way? Would God use a broken ark? I have a feeling that God can use anything because he uses us. The other things is just the, when I was um, planning back in August for the Her Story finale and I was getting ready to think about the 25th, Dallas and I were planning 25th anniversary celebrations, we realized that we were like so out of practice for all those big events and all the food events and it it like fell out of our brain I don't know where it went but we we were feeling overwhelmed by oh man I can't remember how we ever did this 
but one of the verses that spoke volumes to me was distributed to each and every Israelite, both men and women, was a loaf of bread, a date cake, and a raisin cake. Every single person at the event, the whole nation of Israel, the whole nation of Israel, both, both men and women, got bread, a date cake, and a raisin cake. Who did all the baking? That's a lot of work. And who did all the planning of how to get these things out there? Brianna, of course. Brianna was, Brianna would have been totally the organization. She's amazing. Can I just put that in there? Yes. Brianna, we don't ever want to do that again without you. So I'm really, really, and I say that from my heart, truly. I'm so glad you're back. Now you made me cry. <laughs> okay, okay, it was me. So it set my heart at rest to think that God God uses us. He uses us in if we consecrate our hearts, he wants to carry he wants to put glory in us and he wants us to carry it and bring it around. And he wants us to do that in community where the weight is evenly distributed. And it was beautiful to watch that this past week. The weight was so evenly distributed and it rests on the shoulders. And then God says, I'm gonna bless that. I am gonna bless that because I love watching my people carry my glory. A couple weeks ago, I had this uh, just download of that the Rock Church is called to carry heavy things. And that that's such a privilege to be called to carry heavy things. That when we avail ourselves to be trained and consecrated, we can carry heavy things. The ark was a very heavy thing. And I don't just mean weight. It was a holy thing. It was something that you had to be ready to carry and willing to carry. And when God calls you to do that, that is the best feeling to know what it feels like to have the glory of God flowing through you in the way that he calls you, in the very broken way in my, in my experience. So when we were in um, Hong Kong for our sabbatical in 2019, we went to this little shop um, and we started to hear about this Japanese um, way of fixing pottery or broken things. And it's called Kintsugi pottery. And what they do is they take broken, anything broken, usually, usually porcelain or in this case, it's a teacup. Um, and what they do is they take real gold 
and they fill the crack, they fill the broken place with gold because they believe that broken things are actually more valuable than the regular things at the beginning. And so they take all, I, I was in this little shop with this little lady and there's just like all these teapots and plates and cups and everything and they were so expensive and I wanted to buy one and she started to tell me, oh, that one's $800 and that one's $1,200 and I'm like, what am I doing here? I'm never going to be able to buy anything. And I said, do you have anything small that I could possibly buy? And she's like, well, I just got this. She was actually serving me tea in this cup. So um, her special green tea. I said, do you think I could maybe buy this one? And she said, yeah, it's, it's over $100. Oh, U.S. Okay. And I splurged and I bought this cup because I look at it all the time and I remember that even in my brokenness that Jesus comes and he makes it more valuable because he puts gold in that broken place he actually wants us broken it's more valuable this way and it's even stronger she said the other day I saw a whole um, toilet tank top Kintsugi pottery. It was beautiful. It was like all this veining of gold. So, you know, that toilet is a throne like no other. It's, it was beautiful. So, someone, I think more than just one, I know that God is speaking to some of you that you don't think you can carry glory that you're not sure if your broken parts are gonna be able to hold the weight of the glory, but you are even more qualified, even more qualified because you have been broken for a reason to show the glory of God with the beauty of the brokenness and you get to hold it and now you are the ark. And you get to go in community and carry the glory. There's nothing better. Let's just pray for a minute. And some of you, I think we're just going to take a minute, take 30 seconds, and give Holy Spirit some room to show us how we can consecrate ourselves. Remember, this is, this is just a surrender, saying, Lord, here I am. I am yours. I belong to you. Let's just take 30 seconds and give him our hearts, our minds, soul, spirits, bodies, and wills today.
So, Father, we thank you. We thank you that you use us, even in our broken states. We consecrate ourselves to you today, and we thank you that you want us, that you see us as worthy arcs that can carry your glory. I pray, God, that you would come into those places and you would teach us how to carry glory and carry heavy things together in community. Holy Spirit, would you have your way and would you fill us up so that it can be distributed over this Christmas season in all the places that we go, in all the business places, in all the family places, in every place that we step foot, that we would be able to carry your glory confidently knowing that we are broken and it is good and you have made us worthy to carry glory. We love you and we are so privileged to do this with you. Thanks for choosing us. Thanks for wanting us. May you be glorified through us today and this season. In Jesus' name, amen. And now we get to glorify God together in community to, to a song, Great Is He. And we're going to get to hear each other in community. So let's, let's carry some glory to the throne. <laughs> 